0: You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for his glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Tony, those words made an impression on me. Um, I really can't tell you how dire the situation was and what what was going on. She was um, Jen was losing blood um, at an incredible rate, and they were going to do a little surgery. And, uh, and if they didn't, the little surgery didn't work. They knew they were going to do a big surgery. And of course, Jen is a nurse practitioner, and so she knew exactly everything that was going on. In the midst of all of that. She, uh, she wanted to make sure that her baby was, was with her. And she, she, going back into surgery, looked at that little baby and said, Baby girl, I'd do it all over for you. That's, that's why so many of us are thankful for our mothers. It's, it's that heart which is why <laughs> those of us who don't have our mothers, that we miss our mothers so much. And what I think is so precious is it is it there are women in this room right now longing to sacrifice themselves that way that they could have children i'm so thankful i want to remind you that your calling as mothers has never been more critical than it is today we are living in a in a period of time in human history Where confusion reigns. Good is often condemned as evil. And evil is celebrated as good. When grown men are saying things like, I'm just a girl who wants to compete in collegiate athletics. Then you know you're living in very confused times. We're living in days when parents seem absolutely committed to obeying their children. This is a sign of the judgment of God on a culture. Let me just show you this. Look at Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3 Look at verse 4. One way that God is going to discipline Israel is He's going to remove her leaders. And notice what He says in Isaiah 3 verse 4. And I will make mere lads their princes, and capricious children will rule over them, and the people will be oppressed, each one by another, and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder, and the inferior against the honorable. Godly mothers have never been more needed than they are today. And, if you notice the, the statistics that were released about the falling American birth rate, there are less... And less women who are aspiring wa- to be mothers. That This morning. The Holy Spirit desires to speak to his people. From Proverbs chapter 29. And his goal is to offer more than a happy Mother's Day. But really to invite you to a lifetime. A very happy days as mothers. Before we read our text, let's be reminded what the book of Proverbs is. It's a, it's, a, it's a rich, practical book of wisdom from a father to a son, but it was written so that other people would be listening in. It's, it's a passionate plea. Often you hear the writer saying, Oh my son, listen to me that you might have life. But he's he's hoping that other people will be listening in. And so there are other times where where he's, he's regularly saying, Oh, my sons, listen to my words, treasure my commandments, keep my commandments, and live. One of the themes of the book is that he regularly contrasts the wise person and the fool. And in the book, over and over, the wise person is the one who loves discipline. Who seeks out correction. And the fool is the one who is led astray by his own desires and lusts. Before we read our passage, let me just acknowledge a few elephants in the room. And the first is this, that what we're about to study is controversial. And and on one hand, I'll say that doesn't bother me at all. Because truth is always controversial. Jesus said, people hate me. This is John 7. And they hate me because I tell them the truth. And I just point out that their deeds are evil. Of course Of course these words are controversial. The culture has rejected God's wisdom vehemently. In this culture, authority is a bad word. Truth is a ridiculous word. It's just just a power play to to oppress people. And submission is a straight up cuss word. But I just say, look around. Turn on the news and see where the world's wisdom is leading this culture. I'm just not impressed with the world's wisdom. And yet, I am sympathetic at the same time, because rebellion is not the only reason that this text may be hard for some people to process and to endure. Here's reality on the ground. Authority is good. But you look down through human history, and there have been, and even in our day, and there are lots of abuses of authority. Lots of men have used authority and strength to exploit and to abuse women and children. Bosses for millennia have exploited workers. The strong have oppressed and taken advantage of the weak. Way too many parents have abused their children. And we must not tolerate people who use their authority to hurt people. And just by the way, I'm reading through the book of Isaiah right now, but it's not enough for us to say, well, we as a people are not going to abuse people. That's not, that's not good enough. Isaiah chapter 1 says that you need to stand against the wicked. You need to push against the darkness. Reprove the ruthless, he says. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow." So we need to be crystal clear about something. The problem is not authority. The problem is the selfish, wicked abuses of authority. We, we can't reject authority and stubbornly ignore the Bible's calls to submission. There, there's too much at stake. The, the concept of authority and submission get to the very heart of the Bible's message. Th- think about this. According to the culture, what is the main problem in the world? according to the culture our culture doesn't even acknowledge sin and if it does acknowledge sin the sin that is acknowledged is is people in authority who are always oppressing the weak that the, the, the world's answer to what's a problem in the world the world's answer is those people are the problem the, the Bible has a very different story The Bible says the problem is us. The problem is me. The problem is sin. The problem is that we have rebelled against God's good authority. And the solution that the Bible gives is a Savior. God Almighty who came in human flesh to wash feet. And then to bleed in our place that he might restore us. Back under the good authority of God. Therefore, the Bible celebrates authority. But it celebrates a self-sacrificing, bleeding, foot-washing authority. So, So this morning I have three things to proclaim. The first is the need for discipline and instruction. Secondly, the tools of discipline and instruction and then thirdly the motivations for discipline and instruction and here's our text Proverbs chapter 29 Proverbs 29:15 29, The rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother When the wicked increase Transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we open up your word. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would root out not not the sin of the culture, but you would root out the sin in my life. You would root out the sin in our lives. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show us your Son and we would submit to his truth when it's easy and when we can see the fruit that it's bearing, and when it's hard and uncomfortable, and it doesn't look like it's working, I pray that we would trust your Son and live joyfully under Him and raise children that love your Son and live joyfully by your grace under Him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice with me first in the text, the need for discipline. Look at verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. But before we dive into this text, I want to acknowledge a few assumptions that we need to see. This this text writes a prescription. But we need to notice that the very presence of a prescription implies a disease. And indeed, there is a disease. We humans all have a bent toward evil. Problems in our childhood and in society can certainly stir up and aggravate evil in our hearts, but they don't implant the evil in our hearts. The Bible is very clear that that evil was implanted in our hearts long before we were even born. David says, in sin my mother conceived me. I have been a sinner since conception. The, the Proverbs say it well in Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And that foolishness, which is not just immaturity. But foolishness is a rejection of God's wisdom. That foolishness is bound up. It's rooted deeply in the heart of a child. And it comes out in different ways. You have foolishness coming out in some children. It's just in your face, open rebellion. But in other children, it's a very, very sweet, I am going to do whatever I want while i I impress you about how compliant and sweet I am. But the rebellion, the selfish rebellion, is still the same. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But in every heart that has not been born again, self reigns. Foolishness is bound up deep. Self is bound up deep in the heart of every child. Left to ourselves, we will live lives of chaos, and selfishness, and rebellion. You need. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. This has been good for me to 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 think about this week. Many people approach parenting. As if at the heart of parenting is caregiving. That what what parents need to provide is a safe environment. And unconditional love. And and a steady diet of encouragement. They need to provide food and shelter and transportation to soccer and football and baseball. And dance and horseback riding lessons and band practice. And, And the idea is that we parents are basically providing good soil. And and, and, then we, and then we, in that good soil, we just let children bloom. I, I just want to encourage you, if all you're providing to your children is just good soil, you're going to raise a weed. Kids need a good, godly, peaceful, structured environment. They need food. And they need shelter. And they need encouragement. And they need transportation. But they need more. Listen to what God says. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. I just remind you that this is God who's speaking? This is not a, a pop psychology magazine with some new theory that is very quickly going to be debunked and have another one take its place. This is the word of the living God who knows you and who knows your child and who right now is speaking through His word. He says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Children need correction. Your children need correction. You must do more than provide good soil. You must diligently shepherd hearts. And wills. And minds. You must prune them and Pull the weeds that are constantly trying to grow up around them. You must water them and protect them from heat and cold and all kinds of things that want to devour them. Provide them with a constant dripping of the fertilizer of truth. There is a need for discipline and instruction. And every parent said, amen. I want we to notice, though, that he doesn't just point out the need. He gives us tools for discipline and instruction. We, we, we first notice who's addressed in the text. This, this ought to be obvious. But in 2021, there's nothing obvious. And certainly this is not obvious. Notice that God is not addressing the government. God is not addressing the local school system. God is not addressing Sunday school teachers. He's not addressing the village elders. He's not addressing the the assembly of a local body of believers. He's not addressing youth workers. He's certainly not addressing your kid's peer group. Who's He's addressing in verse 17? That's it. Verse 17, Correct your son... Who's he addressing? Parents. Parents. He's addressing parents. And the tools that are being committed to parents are the rod and words of correction. It's very interesting to me that in this text the two are tightly bound together. Literally, the text does not read the rod and reproof give wisdom. The text literally reads the rod and reproof gives wisdom. As if the rod and reproof are together. I don't want to make too much of this, but but it is in this text. It's if those two things are inseparably married together. And they ought to be inseparably married together. If you have a situation where in your parenting, it's just the rod, or if you have a situation in your parenting where it's just correction and talk, you're, you're going you're to fail on both ends. He, these two tools go together. The corrective Discipline, the rod, which is an image of of physical spanking or even natural consequences that hurt, that sting, that get attention, that say that wake people up, and words of instruction. And they and they must be married together. There's a picture being painted here. Look at verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. This this a child who gets his own way. The picture that's being painted in the text is of a child who's just sent loose to just do whatever he would do. The, the picture is of a of a child running free, unrestrained, captive to his own feelings, his own whims, his own wisdom, his own desires. And where does it lead? Which... Can, Can you see just how what you are hearing all the time in the culture is exactly the opposite of what God Almighty is saying? What happens when a child is just set free to follow their own heart? Shame. There is not a person in this room who would like to bear shame. But it's exactly... What he promises. There's an even bigger picture being painted in this passage. A child who is corrected and disciplined by godly parents. Who don't allow the child to go where he or she would naturally go. That parent is actually an agent of God. Who is who's being used of God to keep that child under the blessing of God. Look at verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. So notice. Wh- what is the result of godly discipline and correction? Wisdom. Who's wisdom? God. God's wisdom. Notice, notice you're an agent of God. It's not about you. Your children don't ultimately belong to you. They belong to Him. And He's given you two tools to use to bring your children under His wisdom. Not, Not your wisdom. But His Wisdom. And then in verse 15, an unretrained child runs in lots of directions. But godliness is not one of those directions. Right? I have to watch that kid every moment. Because if I don't, here's what will happen. He'll go and start serving his brothers and sisters very sacrificially. He'll start straightening up his room and memorizing Bible verses. Like I know if it gets quiet, I better be careful. Because my kid is going to be getting into weird stuff like that right (laughs) said no parent ever it goes quiet and here's what you know something wicked is brewing somebody's getting ready to bleed look at verse 16 when the wicked increase transgression increases (laughs) the more there are the worse it gets The stronger they are, the worse it gets. But the righteous will see their fall. Do do, do you see where the path of the wicked is leading? It's it's leading, I believe in this text, not merely to a temporal fall a failure on earth, but to the ultimate fall, the second death of hell. And the righteous are going to be watching. Look at verse 18. Look at what unrestrained people never get to experience. Where there is no vision, it's a prophetic vision. When God is not speaking through his prophets, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Just notice, this is the exact same thing that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Parents, do you see what's at stake? Your kids are hardwired to go astray. To leave the Lord, to bring shame on you and destruction upon themselves, verse 16. And the Lord is calling out to you. Don't just watch them destroy themselves. Go after them. And bring them back into a place where they are honoring you. Because that's where the blessing of God is. The tools that he's given us are the rod, discipline, discipline consequences and reproof words of correction and and again they, they go together the, the, the rod spanking natural pain they, they need to be married to reproof and correction honey I'm I'm sorry no we're not gonna be able to go to the park right now because remember I asked you that you needed to get this work done before we go to the park and you chose not to do that and so now we don't get to go to the park do, do you see what's happening God never lies He says, honor your father and your mother so that it go well with you. And it's not going well with you because you didn't honor your father and your mother. I want it to go well with you. Let me pray for you right now. Let me stop here for a second for a few practical comments. Obeying and living, verse 15, is not fun in the moment. I so need to hear this. Verse 15 is not fun in the moment. Here's the way Hebrews 12 says it. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. I don't like it. And unless you have a really warped mind, you don't like it. We need to be a people who have crucified the expectation that we're going to enjoy it or we're not going to do it. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. But listen, listen to the results. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Don't you want that for your children? The peaceful fruit of righteousness. Uh, Number two, we're we're God's agents. I've said this before, but but we've got to be real clear on this. We cannot use our authority for our convenience. God did not give us authority so that we would have pleasant visits to Walmart. And He certainly didn't give us authority so that we could impress our friends with how in line our children are. The rod and reproof give God's wisdom. Next, as we discipline, we need to remember ourselves and communicate to our children that we are in the exact same boat as they are. It's very easy to say as a parent. I can't believe you. I can't believe you. What is is wrong with you? I can't even imagine. Why would you do such a thing? To which you just want to say. Are you really. Are you really confused? Like have you looked in a mirror lately? Like you really can't imagine what it's like to Disobey. Like, is your heart that hardened to your own sin that you don't understand what it's like to have a good command from a good God and disobey it? In the relationship with your children, your children are not the only sinners in that relationship. We discipline our children... As fellow sinners who need the exact same discipline and correction from our God. We, like they, will give an account for our actions. We, like they, are prone to wonder. We, like they, we know what it's like to sin. And just like them, we need grace. Number four, we can't discipline we can't use discipline to vent our anger or as punishment we're not talking about punishment really christians when we're talking about our children we don't even, we can't even talk about punishment because we don't deal with a god on the basis of sin and punishment we always are dealing with god in terms of sin and discipline and restoration and lavish grace Never, never punishment. The, and, and anger has no place. Raise your hand if you've disciplined your child in anger. There's no place. James 1.20 says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is not about me being offended. And I need to to say this to myself. This this is not about me. I am an agent of God Almighty. Because He loves my children. He doesn't want me to use my children for my own purposes. Whatever those may be. However selfish. We are are his, His agents. So we approach our child as a fellow sinner and we correct their behavior with reasonable, controlled spankings or reasonable consequences and then with words of wisdom and we point out their need of Jesus and then we quickly restore fellowship. You know what you're really offering your child in discipline? Jesus. That's what we need to offer our child. in Discipline. Honey, it's very clear. You just lied to me. What what does what does Jesus say about lying lips? Well, he hates lying lips. It is an abomination. Tell your child that. But then say, but there is a savior who came to save liars like you and me. And if you'll turn from your lie and trust in him, he will forgive you. He came And bled for that sin. He came. Jesus says, I didn't come to call good children. I came to call sinners to repentance. He came for you. And then just put that on repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We need discipline and instruction. God has given us very effective tools. I want you to notice, lastly, how he entices us to enter into this hard, hard work. Notice the motivations for discipline and instruction. This text holds out three motivations to encourage parents to enter into this heart-wrenching work of discipline and instruction. We need to discipline and instruct them for their good for the good of the larger community around us and then and then finally for our own good. I like how he adds that in there. Notice that we discipline our children for their good. Do you believe what Jesus says that he came that they might have life and have it abundantly? Do you believe that Jesus is the source of abundant life? And if he is, then why would you not run after your children who are straying from Jesus? And this means every time. like We're talking about little kids. What's what's the one thing God has told little kids to do? Obey. Obey. This is is, is the foundation of of so much that's going to happen. You must teach your children to obey. And you must correct them when? when they don't. Now, granted, there are times, it's just like, this kid has been at Disney World for 18 hours straight. I'm just going to show him grace and get him into the car seat and into the bed as quickly as possible. We're not going to worry about his disobedience, right? But for much of our life, it's like, when do I need to correct my children? And the answer is every single time they disobey. Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you. I want it to go well with my children. You want it to go well for your children. We cannot sit back and watch our children stray. It's better. Proverbs 16 says, wisdom is better than gold. It's so easy to have desires for our kids for what they're going to do in their career. The wisdom of God. God is better than gold. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Look at the promises of God to those who live under God's authority in our passage. Verse 15, he promises wisdom. Verse 16, the righteous will watch the wicked fall, but they won't be falling with them. Verse 20, the one who keeps the law of God will be happy. This is what you want for your kids. So God is saying, so discipline them. Train them. Teach them. Remind them together that we, we need to be making an environment where this is, where this is normal. It, it's, it's hard. Listen to this from Proverbs 13. He who withholds his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. I mean, how many, how many weary mamas and daddies need to hear, don't, don't give up on doing good. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. Don't be overcome by evil. You've got to overcome evil with good. This is, a, this is not... This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And there are days you feel like the only words you say are words of correction. I'd come home some days and Eve said, I think the only thing I've done all day is spank children. It's, It's just what it feels like. Don't give up on doing good. He promises. He promises. If you don't grow weary, you'll reap an award. Verse 16, look at what he says. Here's here's another reason that that we as a body, that this doesn't just need to be the vision of one family, but the vision of a body. Because notice verse 16, that when the wicked increase, transgression increases. The more more out of control kids you have, the more out of control kids we're going to have. I can't tell you how thankful I am. Right now, I have all teenagers. My youngest is 16. And I can't tell you how thankful I am. I just told somebody this this week that I have godly men in my children's lives that my boys can call up. Here's what's going on. And I know that they're going to say the exact same thing that I've been saying for 16 years. In another way, but they're going to say the same thing. To my children. That's, that, that's something that you can't do alone. That's something that we do as a body. Together. And then finally just notice the last motivation. I, I'm, I'm sure that every one of you aren't satisfied. With, with one day of, of commercialized. Sometimes forced celebration of your parenting once a year. Right? You'd rather have a lifetime of satisfaction. A lifetime of happy Mother's Days. That's what, that's what this text Is inviting you to. Look what he says. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will give you rest, and he will delight your soul. Discipline your children, instruct your children, they'll delight. Your soul. I want to. I want to just end with this. This is a. This is this is an old copy because I'm getting to be an old parent. Um, there's a new. There's a new one. It's it's green now. Um, Ted Tripp wrote this book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. I I commend it. It's the single most helpful thing on parenting um, that I that I have read. I'll just read you one little part just of this vision. I've seen parents shepherding happy productive children who are alert to themselves and to life. I have visited such a home recently. The family was alive and vibrant. Teenage children were at home because home was an exciting place to be. Father and mother were held in high esteem and sought out for advice. The Bible and biblical truth blew through every conversation, not with stifling heat, but like a refreshing, life-giving breeze. In this home, speaking of the home, where, where this, this, this vision of, of discipline and instruction is lived, five generations have kept the faith and a sixth is learning that God is a foundation of life in whose light we see light. Anybody want that? I want that. It, it begins right here. It begins with us saying, Lord, I, I trust your wisdom and not my wisdom. I'm entrusting myself to the one who bore the rod in my place. Who was shamed in my place. Like with that heart, why would we not follow him? Just pray. Pray. Father in heaven, we want to unite our hearts right now to pray for every child and every parent in this room. Lord, for children yet to be born, we are praying. Father in heaven, we are begging you that you would give us grace to walk in your light as as, as redeemed sinners who need your wisdom, who need your correction, who need... Who need your grace. I pray that you would give us grace as parents. To walk humbly with Jesus. And that we. With a rod. And with grace filled instruction. Would teach our children to follow you too. Father I pray that you would bless the work. Of every parent's hand. For generation. After generation. After generation. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.